The following podcast contains general advice only and does not take into account your individual circumstances. Listeners should speak to an accountant or financial advisor before making any investment decision. What is up? Welcome to the Market Pods podcast. I'm your host, Dion, and this is episode six of the podcast. So thank you very much for tuning in this week. If you do have a question for the show, just remember you can email at any time. That is marketpulsepodcast at gmail.com. If you prefer Twitter, you can jump on there and find this podcast at marketpulsepod. But let's jump straight into it this week and we'll look at what the markets did around the world, starting with Australia, of course. The ASX 200 actually ended green again this week. It was up 4.65%. So... Well done. Very good week, I guess, in in context for the for the Australian Stock Exchange. Overseas, the S&P 500 was down 2.08% and the NASDAQ was also down 1.72%. So the American markets did not fare nearly as well as the Australian markets did this week. And let's talk about that a little bit because what a week it was. More job losses in the US. The number came out towards the end of the week, which was... 6.6 million new jobless claims. Remember last week we talked about the same figure for new jobless claims and that was 3.3 million so the week prior. So that's bringing it up to total of about 10 million of new jobless claims, which is just absolutely insane numbers just never never before seen in in the history of since that those kind of numbers were, were recorded in the US. So, you know, you shudder to think what that's going to do to their unemployment rate. When they start to, well, as I say, when they start to get a control of the coronavirus and when this reaches the quote unquote bottom, you know, this kind of data again just shows you exactly what happens when you, you just hit the pause button on an economy and just millions of people lose their jobs or they're, they're forced to stand down or take leave. In Australia, our government announced further spending to help workers. I guess it's not just any not just any spending. You know, this is historic levels of spending to help cushion the the coronavirus blow to our economy. And I I don't think it's it's probably at this stage likely that we still are in a recession or entering a recession. And this is just hopefully going to try and really just uh, soften that blow as best as possible, and and maybe hope us hopefully get us to bounce back out of it as quickly as possible when we when we get some control over this. A big part of the, the government spending was the JobKeeper payment, so that'll go to employers themselves and that'll help them actually pay wages of eligible employees on their books. Uh, so they'll, they'll get a payment of about $1,500 or exactly $1,500 a fortnight per eligible employee on their books. And this is probably why, at least part of the reason, why the Aussie markets fared a little better than the US this week. You know, I'd probably put that down to the fact that investors are looking at our government's response also from a health point of view. So not just the, the financial point of view. So that's obviously very important. But we also want to know what, what they're doing from a, from a health and safety point of view and just the ability to actually control this coronavirus. Because, you know, you look at the data now. So this is recorded on the 5th of April. There's 1.2 million cases of coronavirus worldwide. There's just under 65,000 deaths. Um, obviously, Italy coming in at about 15,000, the, the worst 
there and Spain and France are actually not too far behind. Even the US is is pretty close to to that. I believe they might even be fourth. But in Australia, at least so far, the the coronavirus has has not nearly been so hard to control. It looks like there are early signs potentially of a of a flattening curve, but that's probably just to put some spotlight on what the investors are thinking of and why the why the Australian market maybe didn't actually fall into the negative this week. It was still a rocky week, so we had up and down days, but yeah, overall up 4.65%. I personally hold still some healthy skepticism towards any notion that the market has hit the quote-unquote bottom and then that it's all up from here and, and it's only going to get better. Time will tell, of course. So I could be completely wrong. That's just an opinion I hold, but my conclusion is just based on what we're reading and you know just the trouble that you see our our retail sector and travel sector and, and everything that they've been into. You know, it's not just you look at companies like the travel stocks like a Qantas and Virgin and then things like Flight Center and Webjet and you know those companies aren't just going to miraculously bounce back to whatever they were doing pre-coronavirus, you know, as soon as we get a hold of this, you know, it's going to take some some time. And also with the the way the retail sector has been performing, I'm not not super certain that um, not all businesses might not even come back. And the ones that do come back, they might change permanently. It's going to be interesting to see. It's been very painful watching my own portfolio across March. You know, although some of my investments have maybe not, hit the hit the red as much as some others by far the standout company that's hitting me the hardest is webjet so that's a company i invested into last year and it's obviously being a travel travel related stock it is it's not performed well at all if you remember a few weeks back i spoke about the collapse in the oil price and oil price jumped back into the news this week because trump hinted at a supply cut deal between opec and Russia on Twitter. So just as a quick refresh, remember that there was a big spat between OPEC and, and Russia and they were they were wanting to, at least OPEC were obviously wanting to cut the supply of oil because oil, oil prices were already under pressure at that time. I guess the, the standard supply and demand theory coming into play that if they cut that supply, they'll be able to stabilize or perhaps increase the price. So the whole thing... This whole issue still seems to be developing. So even though I'm talking about it right now, it's probably going to change by the time you listen to this. So on one hand, Putin said on, on live TV that he's open to arrangements on cutting supply. And there was an upcoming OPEC plus meeting on Monday, which is the OPEC countries plus Russia and other major oil producers. But now I'm also reading that it could be delayed due to, you know, just the spat between Putin and the Saudis. So I guess for some context, Trump's tweet at the, at the time saying that it was looking to be all good caused oil prices to jump 11%. So anyway, I'm not going to talk about too much because who knows what's going to happen. It might even change before I finish recording this actual podcast. But it does kind of tie nicely into some of the stuff that Transurban have been talking about this week. And so Transurban are a company listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. They primarily deal with toll roads in Australia. I I think they actually have some in the US or maybe one in the US as well around Washington. But yeah, they, they, if, I guess if you're going across a, a bridge or going under a tunnel that <laughs> charges you a toll, you, it's probably going to Transurban. 
Now they've they've seen you know big falls in their in their traffic across toll roads, and in relation to the oil price, which we were just talking about, you know one of the reasons that the oil price was suffering weaknesses before the you know the huge drops due to conflict between OPEC and, and Russia was expected decline in demand. See, Transurban can already see this in their own traffic data through the toll roads. But the last week of March, they saw a 36% reduction in travel across their toll network compared to normal. You know, and it makes sense, right? Like if the economy is slowing down and, and people are working from home or maybe in a worst case scenario, people have actually lost their jobs, you know, there's going to be less people traveling on the road, especially, especially if they're isolating or trying to stay home. And, and therefore, your car's not getting much use. And so that's obviously quite bad for a company like Transurban. It's going to impact their dividends down the line and the performance of that company. I know personally, my car's been getting driven a hell of a lot less lately. And, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Transurban. It will also be interesting to watch the oil price and, and whether there's, I guess, any cut to that supply and, and whether that sort of starts to, to change the oil price itself and then also the energy stocks on the Australian Stock Exchange that have uh, also been completely smashed with this this drop in the oil price. Last week, I, I touched on card data that came from the banks and that, that showed us how we're actually spending money during this period. What grabbed my attention this week was that Google released mobility data, which is, you know, this is the data that they collect from all our mobile devices, obviously having location setting turned on or the apps that we have that, that access our location settings and they had broad stats for the world and but you could actually download reports based on individual countries so I looked at the Australian mobility report and there's some interesting stats so travel to retail recreation spots which is things like a shopping center or a restaurant or a cinema they're down 45 percent from normal levels parks which are, is a broad word for anything including beaches and dog parks and national parks and public areas like that they're down 35 percent i found that one a little bit interesting not i mean not that i'm saying that it shouldn't have been down or anything but also it was down quite a lot and i know it's completely anecdotal evidence but i ride my bike a couple of times a week and i also still go for runs at the moment at least while i'm allowed to and i've noticed that there are quite a lot of people out doing the exact same thing there's people out walking their dogs. It almost seems like the dogs of the world are actually having a great time due to coronavirus because they're getting walked heaps because everyone's gym's closed. Uh, I see people doing you know, exercises in parks. So it, I've, I've noticed that's actually quite busy in those areas, um, which sort of seems to also fly in the face of social distancing. Transit stations such as bus stops and train stations, they're down 58%. In Victoria alone, that figure was down almost 80%. So... You know, imagine if you're a coffee shop that's located right next to a train hub in, in Melbourne and you're getting most of your business from commuters. Uh, workplaces are down 33%. You know, people obviously tending to stay at home and so the actual place of residence that Google can track, that's actually up 13%, which makes a lot of sense. So yeah, hopefully you found that, that data interesting. It's, it's interesting to see how this is playing out terms of what it's doing to not only our spending but also our movements and what that means for for the Australian economy moving forward. A few episodes ago I also mentioned that there's a extremely popular video conferencing app called Zoom which you it's almost like one of those ones that no one had heard of before this. It's it probably a lot more popular in the in the US than it was in Australia. 
and and now it's become extremely popular as a way to I guess work from home and video conference with your colleagues so th- this company is actually not listed in Australia it's, it's listed on the Nasdaq in the US so since the end end of January the company's share price is up about 90% so massive increase in 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 their share price there but I read this funny article which talked about the fact that the the SEC in in the states which is the Securities and Exchange Commission they've had to step in and actually stop trading on a company that's listed in the US markets called Zoom Technologies which is a completely different company has nothing to do with Zoom as in the video conference app Zoom and this Zoom Technologies <laughs> share price has just jumped crazy amounts because people are getting the actual companies mixed up and investing their money into the wrong company. There was actually a research paper titled How Much Do Investors Trade Because of Name Ticker Confusion that examined this very phenomenon uh, last year in, in 2019. And the, the paper gives the example of back in 2013, there was the share price of a company and listen for this. So the company was called Tweeter Home Entertainment Group. Suddenly, its share price soared 1,400% over, I'm not sure, I don't think that was a day, but just over maybe, say, a couple of weeks. And this happened to occur one day after a very unrelated company called Twitter submitted plans to file for a $1 billion initial public offering onto the stock market. And so then people just jumped on and started buying this company called Tweeter Home Entertainment Group. Not sure how they got that uh, confused. So... You know, sometimes in the actual the hype and the craziness of, of investing, people can even just, I guess, invest in the wrong company completely. There's a couple other funny examples from the, the paper, the research paper, that one being Ford. So in the US, the, the ticker code for Ford is just the letter F, which is really strange. I, I don't think that's a thing in Australia. I don't think you can have a single letter, but... There's a completely unrelated company also on the US stock market. I think the S&P, I'm not sure which one it's on, sorry. But there's another company over in the US and its stock code is Ford, F-O-R-D. And so Ford Ford, the card Ford, doesn't even have that as their own stock code. So I don't know, I'm sure people have got that one mixed up as well. Each week we also seem to be touching on particular companies or industries doing it extremely hard during the pandemic you know, we've spoken about some of the more obvious examples such as travel companies, you know, the Qantas's and the, and the flight centers. And then you've got entertainment related companies such as Village Roadshow, which we spoke about. You know, this week I was watching uh, Media Watch, which is a really good program. You can actually catch it on YouTube if you ever miss it on the ABC. And the host, Paul Barry, was highlighting how coronavirus related stories are by far the vast majority of news stories right now. And that readership of well-established titles such as say the australian or the guardian news.com.au all those seen very increased amounts of traffic over the last few weeks because people obviously can't seem to get enough of you know reading up about coronavirus and trying to get the latest news however what was interesting is and this is sort of highlighted in his story on on media watches how the virus is actually affecting smaller regional players and, and many are actually having to shut up shop or or they're actually collapsing altogether due to zero advertising revenue and that advertising revenue is basically the lifeblood of media it in local towns if that's drying up and then papers can't survive so often a small business looking to 
reduce costs. They're going to have to cut things like their advertising budget. You know, like they don't have, you know, like the local uh, real estate agent in a small town doesn't have the pockets of, of a huge multinational conglomerate like a like an Apple or Amazon to actually keep their brand in, out in the public and, and still continue to advertise. A couple examples of this from the Australian Stock Exchange. So you've got Seven West Media, which is down almost 80% since the beginning of the year. So that kind of means that if you bought shares into Seven West Media, say on New Year's Eve in 2019, so you bought $1,000 worth of their shares, you've lost $800 already. So it's a huge drop. Southern Cross Media, they're down around 80%. And News Corp, not as bad, but they're down about 35%. On the subject of newspapers, famously last year, Warren Buffett actually sold out of his newspaper collection. So he had part of his company, which was Berkshire Hathaway. There was a, I guess, a subsidiary in that called BH Media. And that owned a lot of more sort of local regional style newspapers, some big ones, but not like huge ones that you would know, like a New York Times or something like that. But he basically got out of it because I think he referred to the newspaper business as toast. I think that's exactly what he said. But uh, he di- he also differentiated that to, to brands like the New York Times, which are obviously a lot more likely to stick around because of their branding from both not just the US point of view, but also on an international stage. Well, that's it for this week. So I was going to try and actually get a question in, but to be honest, I'm running out of time. I'm, I'm trying to juggle two uni assignments that are due today on Sunday and recording a podcast. So fortunately, I've run out of time, but I did get a question this week and I'll, I'll save that for episode seven next week. My name is Dion and this is the Market Pulse podcast. Have a great week.